Schofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. ESPN Las Vegas here on this Friday, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the TI. Come on down. We got T-shirts. We got goodies to give away. Happy hours going down right now. If you uh, want to grab some great Bud Light products, Bud Light, Bud, McUltra, and I have to check on the 50 other beers they've owned, AB, to see what they have on tap. But I know with the domestics, you can get the great pitcher special. They also got beer bucket specials, 55 plus TVs. As we're tracking Major League Baseball, we'll get you some finals from earlier in the day. And a big night in the NBA. We're going to hit on the NBA and what the Dallas Mavericks are doing because uh, I heard a ESPN National filling guys leading in us. And uh, it was kind of old guy radio, so I think Adam's going to have a different take on what the Mavs are doing, why they're sitting everyone when they're still on the hunt for the 10 slot. Get us a better understanding of why they're doing that. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So wind and a giant tree or trees falling at Augusta stopped the second round in its tracks bunch of golfers were on the course have to finish up tomorrow they're planning on starting at five o'clock in the morning our time eight o'clock eastern with the restart so several golfers will have uh, 26 27 28 holes to play tomorrow as long as the weather and the light holds up kepka brooks kepka leading from live at 12 under sam bennett is eight under rom still has half a round to finish he's at nine morikawa six uh as they stop play, Tiger was going to make the cut. We'll see what happens. He was through 11. He was shooting a even par today. Again, he's plus two. I didn't, you know, I don't follow golf real closely. Who is the one golfer who was wearing the PGA Tour shirt? I don't mean like, like branded on your tag. Like it just said PGA Tour all over the shirt. Who was that? Si Woo Kim. Okay. And it was a very, very over the top endorsement of the PGA Tour with the logo everywhere on his shirt. Are you suspecting something is going on here? Well, he was paired with Phil Mickelson today. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, he, yeah the shirt The shirt just has a band, PGA Tour, written around, just circles around his uh, portly body. So what was it? Is he just like a hardcore, dedicated PGA guy? PGA and you know, PGA bootlicker? Is he mocking Phil or just... He gets there and he's like, oh, crap, I forgot about this whole storyline. It's still unclear. It seems pretty convenient that he would do it when he was paired with Phil. But he also is officially sponsored by the PGA Tour. Wait, what? I think it was part of like an international program type thing. And he has worn PGA Tour attire before. It just seemed pretty over the top with his PGA Tour selection. When he's paired with Phil. Would you call the PGA on the carpet if there was a ruling in his favor? Like some sort of issue on the course? And they're like, yeah, we're going to rule in favor of uh, of Mr. Kim. Like he gets it the- has nothing to do with him having an endorsement from us and him wearing PGA Tour all over like his the- shirt. By the way, I, I understand PGA Tour probably wouldn't usurp the Masters in this case. So. Yeah, but would, they, would the PGA Tour uh, allow him, if his ball got fallen on by a tree, to just pick it up and throw it closer to the hole? Probably. Yeah, I think they would. You love the trees falling. No one got hurt. No. It wouldn't be funny if somebody got hurt. It's funny now. No one got hurt. Number three. Number three. Uh, Utah State head coaching list that we saw yesterday 
Nate Dixon, a Utah State assistant coach. Chris Burgess of Duke and BYU fame. Check that. Yeah, there it is. Um, Utah assistant coach. Barrett Peary, UNLV assistant coach. Dave Rice, also mentioned on the list. Uh, Woj, former Duke player, former Marquette head coach, and the head coach at Utah Tech. They name a coach today. It's Danny Sprinkle. He's got to get right to work because they had three of their main players, including Stevie Ashworth, in the transfer portal. I think anyone who takes a Utah State job, we've mentioned it before, there are unique strengths to the job, but there are really big challenges to the job as well. And this guy was at Montana State and did a really good job. Last year's made the tournament, went 52-18. and Yeah, for sure. He's done done a a really good job, and I think he understands the challenges. There's there's similar-type challenges where where he's at Montana State, for sure, in terms of you know, being kind of out there, <laughs> nowhere, not quite some of the same in terms of the regional uh, strife that you might encounter uh, at Utah State, but I'm sure his first call will be to Ashworth, trying to get him to stay around. And now you, you, you actually, you wonder, I mean, it's only been a couple of days for Ashworth, like a day, but we mentioned it gets it gets very heated between BYU, Utah State, and Utah on stealing players from each other, and generally Utah State's kind of the loser in that whole mix. Like, how hard is it going to be for Danny Sprinkle? to fight off Craig Smith at Utah since Smith is the one who brought in Ashworth. A lot of I names. mean, I feel like if Utah wants him, first of all, I felt like I, I don't know why he didn't go last year. That's kind of, that was kind of surprising. But, um, yeah. If Ryan Odom to another school? Or? No, I'm saying why didn't Ashworth go last time? Did you not want him? Oh, I have no idea. That's what, I, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, you would think you would just go and take him with him. I've mentioned the weird storyline that when Ashworth got there, he was not their best freshman point guard. Raleigh Wooster was, who I was a big fan of. Bigger kid, like 6'3", like 200 pounds. He went to Utah. He's been pretty good there. If he didn't leave Utah State, I don't know that Ashworth turns into the player that he has because then he got all the playing time at point guard. So does he look at it again? He's like, I don't want to play behind that guy or next to him. Well, I'm saying nothing, what has changed except for another coaching change? I, You know what? We'll have to ask someone if – if Ashworth actually told Craig Smith he didn't want to go to Utah, so then that would show a, an immense amount of loyalty to Utah State, but then things change. You know, guys get older. Yeah. In this case, you could be looking at someone who's 22, 23 years old going into their junior year. Yeah, but I would I would at least, you know, I would, that's the first call I would make if I was coming in and taking over this job, and I'm sure they will. And um, there's going to be, you know, a lot of competition for a, guy, for a guy like that for a lot of these guys that are going to the portal for sure. Number two. Tyreek Hill normally uh, blows up the internet with his podcast. This time went on terrestrial radio, went on 810 WHB. We have a bunch of buddies on that station and said, what? As soon as this contract's over, I'm out. How old is he? Good question. I thought like 31? 20, I was thinking like 29 or 30, but could be 31. No, you're right. He's younger. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, just turned 29, March 1st. So, but I think it's two more, 23, three more years are on his deal. Then he's out. That makes sense. 32 years old? I, I would assume, Little guy receiver? I would assume what part of the conversation is will he come back to Kansas City after he's done in Miami, and I think his his thought is, no, this is it. Last contract. But was, then, it, was there something with him and Chris Jones? Yeah. They got into a uh, little bit of a Twitter spat uh, going back and forth, and Tyreek Hill sometimes is good on Twitter, and Sometimes he can be a little bit, you know, vague and, you know, annoy some people uh, with what he does. But they are playing this year, so they're going to have to kind of answer 
uh, for some of these things. And, you know, I don't know that they're going to be matched up ever on the field. Like, I don't don't think they're ever going to have to uh, potentially, you know, lock in against each other. Uh, But he did say, Tyreek did say, that he's going to crack block him because he's too little. Wait, what? He said he will throw the crack block at him because he's too little. He's going to knock him down. Tyreek said Chris Jones is too little. Yeah. That's some good trash talk. That's funny. He's like, you're too little. I'm going to knock you down. That's some good sarcasm. Which I'm sure that there's been – I think he's being real. I think he's saying that he's not he's not big enough and not strong enough uh, because he's going to go for him, and, and he promised that he's going to be their worst enemy, and that's when kind of it got started. And Jones is like, "All right, man, good luck to you." I think he said, "God bless you," or "May God bless you," and uh, they're going to go at it. And then Tyreek said he's going to crack block him, and then they started kind of going back and forth. Like, "All right, can't wait to find out the date. Let's go. We're going to go up in head to head." Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, top story. Number one. It's mock season. Can't get enough mock drafts. Sure. Can't get enough of educated guessing. What are you up to? Two or three? I've had two. Okay. When's your next one due? Uh, it'll, it'll probably run next week. So this week we're running just a, a roundup of a lot of the mocks that have kind of what they've what they've taken for the Raiders. What have you learned from the from the roundup when you've looked at others and their opinions of the Raiders? Because there's a there's crazy narrative. Not crazy. The narratives are they could stay at seven, they could trade up to get a quarterback, they could see there's no value at seven in who they really want to take and trade back. I found one. This is, uh, is this the Zierlein guy? Lent yes. Zierlein? Yeah, yeah. Based uh, out of H-Town, lovely city, lovely city. By the way, I didn't finish my story about Tracy Wilson. No. That was a weird one. Um, when I was leaving to get a ride share from downtown, I walked over to a – restaurant bar and i could hear a party going on there was a country artist in there two songs in i whatever shazammed or whatever the whatever you do to and i was like oh i I recognize that guy and then within like 30 seconds i guess it was a cbs party because then he shouted out sideline reporter tracy wilson who was one of our favorites she's a very lovely woman every time we call her up she's uh, she's doing mom duty there's kids running around Screaming and yelling, but she's a very solid veteran of the biz, and apparently uh, this guy's name, I think, was Jordan Davis, not the big defensive tackle, but I think that's his name. Someone in the band was, like, smitten with Tracy Wilson and was like, oh, she took a picture with him. And the weird place weird that, story. The place you're referring to is also in the fairly nicer part of town. The little area between downtown and east downtown. Well, I'm naming the wrong place. Oh. Is, is, I think I'm naming the wrong place then. No, it, it's a big place right across from the convention center. Okay. All right. Correct place. Yeah. So, Raiders, according to Zero, we got to that story because he's based out of Houston, I think. Raiders trade down from 7 to 12, and they're in on an offensive tackle. They are. How much do you buy that one? Well, there was a, another mock draft that came out the same day that had them trading up to take the same offensive tackle. No, I, think was di- I think it was a different one. because in That's, this what spot, That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the same draft. position. Yeah. Uh, same tackle, but the one traded. One had them trading up. One had them trading down. Uh, it's Paris Johnson, right? That they took uh, at four. Yes, that was the one you were talking about. In this one, they're, oh no, they're, Darnell Wright. Yeah, they're so, taking Darnell Wright from so, Tennessee. That's right. And then, and then, uh, but this is the mock draft that actually got one of the Raiders to react and go after Lance Line. Who who reacted? Jermaine Illuminor. Oh, again? <laughs> who said? Because he went. He went after one of the sort of regulars on the Raiders beat. Yeah. I mean, uh, come on, Jermaine, you can't react. And he said, oh, really? The Raiders need a right tackle? 
and Lindsay Erlein panicked. No. Totally backed down. What? And he was like, no, no, no. I think you're one of the better guards in the league. I think you'd be better at guard. And, you can, and then he could play tackle. I was like, all right, Lance, settle down. I mean, wh- wh- why back down? <laughs> He's Just saying, say, yeah, yes. They need a right tackle. He did. Kick, kick inside. So I think he what did you get first. beat up by the existing, you know, freaking summer right tackle? I think Illuminor responded and Zierlein responded with, yeah, they do. And then realized who it was, oh and God. then backed down and said, "No, no, no! I think you'll play guard. You can play guard in this scenario, and you'll be very good there." But he definitely panicked a little bit when Illuminor came after him. Are you going to do this in your next couple of mock drafts? Will you back down if someone comes after you? I'll tag them. Like, will you have them drafting a punter in the sixth round, and then AJ Cole will try to rip your head off? I will not have them drafting I a punter. Would, they don't. I, no, that was the joke. They you would never do that. There's no former Patriots that are punters. I don't think they're going to. They're going to bring one in. Oh, no. Is this commonplace now with mock drafts? Players are just getting mad if there's a first-round pick taken at their position? I lo- are I, we really doing this? I love that Jermaine just sits on Twitter and goes after people. It's fantastic. Oh, my God. Draft I, I believe, by the way, I believe he was on his honeymoon. Oh, stop. Put down the when phone. When he did it. Put down the phone. Uh, aviators are in town here in Vegas facing OKC through Sunday. Tonight is fireworks night. Tomorrow night, oh, boy, I got to get out there. 7.05 start as well as tonight. Puffy Vest Night, and then they got the throwback game on Sunday. Great giveaways coming up, including Star Wars Night on April 24th. Get your tickets for the Aviators, 705 first pitch tonight. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, offices in Henderson and Reno and Las Vegas. You can call from anywhere in the state for Matt or Justin at 766-1400-775 in the north, 702 down here so we got a lot of crazy stuff going on around the mountain west conference with the transfer portal in basketball and you know one of the places that's been hit the worst especially since we got recent announcements of where guys were going is wyoming jeff linder built something really good a couple of years ago and now i don't know what's going on there's gonna be a you know big effort to recover here in the next six eight weeks cody tucker for uh, 7220 Sports, covers the scene, football and basketball, and lots of other stuff, and he gives Cofield and company a couple minutes here in Vegas and in Reno. How are you, sir? Doing awesome, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I mean, this has been nuts. And, I mean, it started towards the end of the season. Obviously, the season was just filled with a bunch of injuries, but what has been the reaction the last couple of days to finding out that uh, Graeme Ike landed at Providence and Noah Reynolds, who I think was kind of an underrated player outside of the market. I think he's really good. He landed in the Big Ten with Wisconsin. So, what's the reaction locally? Yeah, not very good. Uh, you would think <laughs> the sky was falling, and of course, you know they came into this season with uh, with huge hopes. I mean, a lot of they they even received some first place finish uh, votes here in the Mountain West Conference in the preseason polls. So, uh, things were supposed to be gravy a year after making it to the uh, first four of the of the NCAA tournament and. Like you mentioned, just the injuries uh, were were insurmountable. Starting with Graham Ek and his his right foot, and uh, you know it, the season went bad enough. Nine wins, uh, never really got in a rhythm. Uh, it was pretty much ugly start to finish. And then, man, the guys just started entering the minute the portal opened. Guys were entering left and right, and this guy was definitely falling around here, and, and for good reason. Like you said, Jeff Linder really built something special, and uh, now he's going to have to do it all over again, basically from scratch. So what do you make of the allegations that came out with Linder, you know, maybe being too rough in practice? I mean, you talked to enough people. What was happening? Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen this in football. Craig Bowl kind of went through the same thing after the 2021 season. He lost 15 guys to the portal almost immediately. 
uh, a few of those guys even left before the Cowboys uh, played in the Potato Bowl up in Boise. Uh, same kind of deal. Every guy I talked to said he just doesn't have a relationship with his players, and he's he's so tough and he's just so old school. Uh, it's not very fun. And um, wow. from what I understand, Jeff Linder's kind of in the same boat. He was just he was really tough this year, and I think personally, what happened was you know they they had the three transfers from. The, the two from USC and the one from UCLA come in last off season, and you know they're making headlines. Andy Katz, I believe, even tweets out the Cowboys could be a dark horse for the Final Four. Uh, I mean, things were huge, and I think uh, they went on a trip overseas to Greece, and and I believe, uh, from what I understand, sources telling me that Jeff Linder was uh, kind of knew when they got home from Greece that this was not clicking, and and uh, it didn't click. And of course, those three guys left. Uh, in early February, right before the Cowboys played UNLV, and um, it didn't work. But I think he just felt that national pressure of we got to be really good, and and I think he started to see that things weren't going to be you know all gravy. And then of course, Ramiquez season-ending injury just was the cherry on top. And really, the whole offense and the defense went through Ramiquez, so uh, they never found an identity when he went down, and and injuries just mounted. Every single person on this team suffered some kind of injury aside from Xavier Dussel, and of course, he's in the portal now as well. Talking uh, Wyoming basketball with Cody Tucker, 7220 Sports, right here on in Las Vegas and ESPN Reno. Um, I don't want to make unfounded allegations, but if I'm putting two and two together, and in the case of Reynolds and in EK, I, I wonder if there was a point in the season where both of them were like, you know what, Reynolds, I can come back from this head injury, but why? Uh, with EK, yeah. maybe I could play towards the end of the season, but why? And is that unfair to, to lay at their feet that they basically just said, you know what, I we not going to risk it for this guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I, we don't know for sure if that's 100% the case. but and, and the school did shut down Noah Reynolds late in the year. Um, you know, he suffered three head injuries in a matter of six months, so I think they were, you know, kind of protecting everybody involved. But I think it's safe to say Graham E.K. maybe, not, maybe not just because of Linder, but maybe just because of the way the season was going, just saying, hey, why would I, why would I come back for this? I mean, their only hope was to make a run in the Thomas and Mack and, and uh, you know, get that automatic bid. Other than that, why come back? Why risk our? Why risk my future? Uh, you know, people seem to think Graham Ek has a has a big future in the professional game, and and uh, certainly he's got a huge uh, huge opportunity here to go to the Big East and, and make some hay. And you know, obviously, people around here are not happy, and uh, rightfully so. But it, it's just the way of the world now. And you know, I mentioned the Craig Bowl example earlier. From what I understand, Jeff Linder's kind of in that same boat, and I know Bull and Linder have talked, and Bull's kind of giving them some pointers. You know, be yourself, but you, you got to handle kids different. The, the days of grabbing face masks and stuff are over. I mean, they're over forever. The players have power now, and, and these coaches need to realize it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's an interesting conundrum for both guys because while maybe outside forces are telling them, hey, you can't act like that, I also – Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I think both guys actually match kind of the culture of Wyoming, which isn't like beat yep. up kids, but to be hard nosed and tough. So at a lot of schools, there'd be people right now calling for Linder, you know, calling for his head, saying, "You can't do this. What are you doing to the kids?" <laughs> I I actually think a lot are like Hunter Maldonado, one of his players who came out and backed Linder and basically was like, "Hey, if you don't like being coached hard, you know, it's not for you. Get out." So I yep. like like how much how much are they going to change? I, mean, I guess not having players will force change. Well, you nailed it, and that's why the Wyoming fan base is so pissed because this is a blue-collar fan base that works hard, and we live in the elements, and it's tough. It's tough to live here, man. I mean, it's the least populated state in the country. It's very sparse. 
and people work their tail off. And uh, when you leave the University of Wyoming and there's accusations that you just don't want to work hard and you don't like being yelled at, that doesn't uh, that doesn't fly around here. However, in the day, this day and age, it is what it is. It doesn't matter if you're at Wyoming or Michigan State. You can't uh, you can't live that way. And, and I covered Tom Izzo in Michigan State for two years, and even Tom Izzo had to back off. He had to back it down about ten notches because it just doesn't fly anymore, and kids aren't going to put up with it. And of course, winning cures all. Uh, but when you're winning nine games and winning four Mountain West games, and you're you know just not very competitive, that's really not going to fly. Well, what we, we're talking about a lot of a lot of negatives here. What are the prospects for next year? Is it a lot of doom and gloom around the program? Uh, well, I think people are still kind of shell shocked, and then every other day a guy's coming out saying, "Oh, guess what? I've gone on to bigger and better places like Wisconsin and Providence," and uh, you know, it just makes people mad all over again, and uh, we start the process again. So, really, what's going to help? And and I hope people are giving Linder a flyer here. Uh, you, you guys mentioned. He came in, he signed his contract literally the day the world shut down because of COVID-19 on St. Patrick's Day of 2020, and he signed the number one recruiting class in the Mountain West over Zoom calls. And, you know, of course, Linder came from northern Colorado. Four or five of those guys were earmarked to go to northern Colorado. Can you imagine Graham E.K. and Xavier Ducell and Jeremiah Oden playing in Greeley, Colorado? I mean, uh, not to mention Marcus Williams, who ended up being the freshman of the year, and he transferred out after his first year because of some tough love from Jeff. So... Um, what he needs to do is just start getting some recruits in. And right now they only have one verbal commit, and that's a guard out of Fullerton College. It didn't really move the needle, but everybody's paying attention because there's only one guy right now. Even even the guy they already had in NLI on, he backed out too. So uh, they have one guy committed. So that's kind of got people around here just kind of panicking a little bit. So let's talk football and, and spring practice before we get you out of here. Uh, first of all, what's the, uh, the story at quarterback for the Wyoming Cowboys? It's uh, really, guys, it's Andrew Peasley's job to lose. The staff really likes him. Uh, you know, he came in last year, even though he's a seasoned guy and played, took a lot of snaps at Utah State. It was his first year in the offense. It was his first year playing with these guys. And, you know, there were mixed results. He really had a nice run there for about six weeks. And then uh, late in the year, he suffered some injuries, and the interception started to mount. So they really like him. But, guys, they didn't uh, they didn't let him run last year. And that's a huge part of Andrew Peasley's game. And this year, as a senior, this is his last shebang. I think they're really going to let the reins off him and let him do some uh, kind of some backyard stuff instead of throwing the ball in the uh, third row of the, of, the, of the student section. I think he might actually start taking some chances here, which they didn't allow him to do last year. Cody Tucker's with us, covers Wyoming sports. You know, it's interesting, um, the series between UNLV and Wyoming, you know, isn't continuous. You know, they take a break every once in a while. I think last yeah. three trips have been up there. I didn't get to make the COVID trip. That turned out to be a blowout in favor of Wyoming. I was there in 2019, and I'll tell you, I've seen several, more than my fair share of blowouts with UNLV on the wrong side, especially from a physical <laughs> standpoint. They lost 53-17 yeah. against Craig Bull's team. And, I, like, I... It was. I, I feel like it was fifty or forty-six points up on the board, like middle of the third quarter, and I, I thought they could have scored like eighty. And Bull put in like his fist stringers, and then Cotton Eye Joe played effing like forty-five times. Every song that had a cowboy in it played. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this is, this is un, unreal in terms of the physicality. Um, I would expect them to play the same brand of football, uh, but to your point earlier, about five minutes ago. Have they pulled enough out of the portal, and do they have enough young guys to continue to play that you know that mauling style to be in the top half of the league? Yeah, you know what? I think Craig Bull did a fantastic job, guys. I mean, like I said, he lost 15 guys in 2021, and uh, he was kind of 
you know, unapologetic about it. I asked him straight up, did you ask any of these guys if they even wanted to stay? And he said, nope. Uh, and then gave me the, uh, you know, T-shirt slogan stuff. If you're not going to ride for the brand and cowboy up, then we don't want you here anyway. Uh, he changed his tune. He looked at himself in the mirror and said, I need to change. And I spoke to every single player I interviewed last year. I asked them at the end of every one, has he really changed? And they said, absolutely. They said, it's almost weird and uncomfortable. Like, he sits with us at the lunch table, and <laughs> he's asking us about our parents. And, I mean, that's just something that Craig wow. Bull didn't do. So uh, he's very much a CEO type. And, uh, but he changed, to his credit. And they only lost a handful of guys this year, uh, three that really were impact players. So I think, And they brought in some really good players as well. So I think he's done a great job. He's still, it's still going to be smash mouth, guys. And I tell you what, I just said this on another show a couple days ago. I would have zero problems right now telling you and making my preseason pick as the Wyoming Cowboys finish at number one or number two in the Mountain West Ooh. Conference in the preseason. Right. However, they just have not proven that they can be consistent in the passing game. And okay. until they do, and they haven't done that since Josh Allen was under center, and even then it was shaky, uh, until they can do that, I just don't know if I have the confidence to do it. I think they're going to be great on defense. They're going to own the line of scrimmage. I think they're really talented across the board. Uh, just can you throw the football when you need to? Cody, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Check out 7220sports.com. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Halfway through the show, we're here at Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar right on the Strip. Treasure Island, where parking is always free. I'm surprised you didn't come in today complaining about traffic. I actually, I got home yesterday and I hit a lot of the stuff that you had talked about where like everything in Las Vegas is under construction. Every route, I I tried to take a different route home. And at one point, and for folks in Reno, sorry, Vegas traffic talk, but I turned on a rancho. Like, I found, somehow found myself on a rancho going kind of north and west. And I got on rancho, and I was like, seriously, like three miles of putting in new pipes? Like, I'm hitting it here, too? And it was I, your point yesterday. Like, every route, like, like east and west, if you don't want to go down the 15 or the two roads adjacent to the 15 on the east and west, there's something going on on those. Well, I didn't complain because I planned better today, and I got the laptop out and got my phone as the Wi-Fi, and I wrote on the way here. Wait, what? Yeah. There was someone, were you in an auto-drive car? Or? No. It was just stop and go? Yeah. I was like, all right, oh this is God. fine. So I was just typing it's as crazy, I'm man. on the highway. Well, you know, right, uh, right near us on the east side, they're starting to, in phases, they're going to repave the route oh. that's on the east side for F1. Yeah. So I, I think they're just about finishing up from LV Boulevard, Sands that snakes back to Koval, and then we'll see. I had someone send me an update to the paving schedule. I didn't want to look at it to get. I was like, okay, what do I have to do with next? I don't week? want to know. F one, baby, it's coming. Well, that's what happens when you you have big events, and especially ones that need roads. There's gonna be a lot of road work, a lot of road work, and we got to get ready for the Super Bowl as well. Well, down by you, there could be a lot of construction in the future by LV Boulevard and Blue Diamond, where you know there's a, an idea to build a new arena there for an NBA team. These are the kind of days where old heads love to grasp onto that whole load management and then the whole tanking thing. Why, why is Dallas sitting everyone tonight when they're in the chase for the 10 slot in the West? Because they don't want the 10 slot in the West. They don't they, want to make the playoffs. They don't want to make the playoffs. That's, that's almost unheard of. Well, they kind of need a top 10 pick because they have a lottery-protected pick to give away. Yep. So they 
they'd rather be a top ten team than make be in the playoffs. So they need to take the shot that they, they just get, in get the lottery. This, they want to get this over with. Is that yeah. what you're saying? The pick goes, or they're keeping the pick? They keep the pick. Oh, they keep and then, the pick, okay. But I believe next year's isn't protected, so if they get the pick this year, it'll go away, and then next year they hope they have a very lo- a very bad pick that they would actually go ahead and give away. No Chris Wood. No Kyrie Irving. Chris Wood, by the way, they didn't even try. They just said rest. Yeah. The rest of them, they're like, uh, Kyrie foot injury, whatever. No Hardaway. Sure. Luka is playing. Is it like Slovenian? Maybe. Pride night or something? He might. Play. He's going to play a little. Okay. But, yeah, right now, Dallas going into the game, which is coming up here in about an hour, uh, Chicago is 38-42. and 42. OKC is 39-42. and 42. Minnesota at 9 is 40-40. 40 and 40, So, they're still within hailing distance of getting in. But They're half game back. Yep. Hailing distance is not a half game. You're right. <laughs> I mean, basically, they win. if they win out, they're in. This is crazy. I think New Orleans would have to lose one one of their final two, but, yeah, they could they could get in. Are you outraged? Or do you understand? Smart. What, are you going to get in the playing tournament maybe win your way into the actual f- field? If, if they don't – see, I think the top ten pick is of value because they either need a player or they need to use a ten pick to get more players. Because I do you want to sign Kyrie Irving for some mega contract? No. Only to please Luca? Like can't you sit Luca down and go, listen, you saw what he is. We gave a little tryout. We don't want him. Do you really want him? Is that gonna upset you that much if he doesn't if he's not here? I I doubt it would. I'm sure he'd be fine with it, especially if you're gonna get something else. I'm sure they'd rather have a sign and trade. Sign him to some deal, trade him away, get something out of it, get a top ten pick. No tanking in the WNBA. Doubt, I'll tell you that. Aces and uh, Slice of Vegas are going to be hosting a season ticket uh, member NBA, WNBA draft party that's coming up on Monday, 3.30 to 6. It's over at Mandalay Bay. Players expected to be selected at the top of the draft. Aaliyah Boston, Diamond Miller, Maddie Segrist. So if you are a season ticket holder, reach out to the Aces and register. They've got a season ticket member WNBA draft party coming up on Monday. I'm fascinated by the Dana White-Vince McMahon relationship now that they're all under the Endeavor umbrella. Uh, that was from TikTok. That mashup, there was a voice in there. We didn't include it, but it mentioned Vince being Dana's boss. Is that the case? Because Vince mm-hmm. technically, McMahon's not really supposed to be running WWE, and he's on the board. But isn't Dana White on the board too? I think so. I don't know how the whole thing is set up, and I don't, I don't know what the power structure is going to be over there. There's been a lot of talk of this of, you know, will WWE guys step into the octagon, which I don't think. Will UFC guys go over and, uh, you know, do promos probably uh, on some level? Like, they'll probably have some kind of cross-promotion type things, but I don't think that either one is each other's boss necessarily. Although maybe they're both each other's boss. Well, I don't know. If, were you in a, I don't even know where that press conference was where someone was asking him about his relationship with McMahon, and what he was talking about there is, McMahon called him up, boss of wrestling, and said, hey, I want tickets for UFC 276. And Dana White was like, yeah, I gave him good tickets, as opposed to when Ronda, I guess, first went to wrestling, or I don't know what it was. And he's like, we were up in the rafters. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you. But that's the way Vince is. Like, I don't know what that means. But I, I had – that's a weird thing, too, when he said people are coming up to him, because I did that. I had bad seats to a game not too long ago. Uh, that I just bought like late, late on you know one of the resale sites, and one of the Raiders players was sitting there, and I was like, "What? Are, why are you sitting here?" Yeah. And I was like, "What did I do? That's insulting. I didn't mean to be." Yeah, you're more important than me. Yeah, it's, that's what I was saying. There's a UFC card this weekend, right? In uh, at the AAA sure. arena. Sure. 
Actually, I guess it would be the AAA. That was the original name of the Miami Arena. So it's in Miami. Have you been to that arena? Yeah. That's a cool arena from a uh, optic standpoint, where it is right there on the water. Yeah. It's How's, it's by the way, you were you were cracking on H Town. How's that downtown area right near that arena? Much better. Is it? It is because things are open. The, I, I haven't been there. That's my biggest thing. I, I'm gonna I will I'm gonna say I haven't been there in like 15 years. The last time we were there, and it actually may have been, boy, I have to look back. It might have been like. 2007 so it has been 15 years and it was like a warehouse district and i remember because i think we did a show from a strip club right down the road which we always used to do of course um our home away from home yeah my biggest thing is things being open i'll say i walked around i think it was sunday night sunday night or monday night in houston walking around downtown super quiet nothing around nothing open what is this uh gilbert burns minus 480 against Jorge Masvidal, I know you like to root for Masvidal. Masvidal might uh, might walk away, too. What, after the fight? Yeah. Or not fight? It's possible. It's part of his protest? He's th- I mean, he's thinking about it. He's, th- he's th- you know, basically a lot of speculation around his camp. Like, if he doesn't win this, hmm. walk away. I'm going to take the Pereira guy against uh, Adesanya, plus 115. Uh, yeah, I mean, the rematch, I, I thought Adesanya was better last fight. It's kind of a comment. It, it's a really... It's a really interesting rivalry that they've had going back to their kickboxing days. And, um, you know, Perea kind of owns him a little bit. So uh, I think Adesanya finally gets it done, but I, I don't know. Boy, I, I just had a whole segue for Dana White and Vince McMahon and menacing onto Joe Mixon, but I, don't, I can't even – I was going to quickly say, like, but those guys have never oh, – hold on. Especially in the case of Vince. Sure. Now, I don't know if Vince McMahon – I don't – you know, I don't know all the Vince stories. So I was going to say, I don't know if he's pulled a gun on someone as being as uh, it's being alleged with Joe Mixon. I'd be shocked I, if he hasn't, but I, I haven't heard it specifically. There are a lot of NDAs out there and sure. a lot of payoffs. And sure. I always remember the the allegations put forth by a holier than thou writer. But he is a good he is a good writer and he does take stands. Phil Mushnick, New York Post, yeah. who had a war with McMahon over the whole steroid thing and said that he claimed that McMahon was. Sending people to look through his garbage on a routine basis. Look through Mushnick's garbage. I, would, I mean, nothing surprises me. So I don't want to put that on Dana White. You know, we, do, we did have this recent Dana White incident with the slap in Cabo, <laughs> which he's talked about. Uh, yeah, McMahon can be he's – a, he's a dangerous guy. Joe Mixon's got a history. I mean, he knocked a woman out cold when he was at Oklahoma, and the beginning of his career was filled with a lot of controversy, and now – some people thought this thing went away from two months ago, but now it's back up, right? Well, Bengals running back? Multiple things, right? Because there was an incident the night before the Bengals played the Bills. And, yeah, it, it was kind of something that was dropped and people thought it went away. And then in the meantime, a kid got shot at his house last month. And then so people were saying, oh, wait, I thought this was resolved. Like, no, this is a new thing. Somebody got shot at his house as a kid. Supposedly the kid had a Nerf gun. He got shot in the foot. No charges have been filed yet, but the police were there. And then this charge that's now been filed does go back to the night before the Bills game in January. Uh, Apparently, Joe Mixon did hold a gun up at a woman and uh, has been charged with menacing. Uh, Basically threatened her and held the gun up at her. So uh, that will be now adjudicated. We still don't know what's going to go on, if anything, with the kid that got shot. Is he going to play running back? He's okay, back? but he's not dead. Is he playing play running back for the Bengals this year? I mean, they got to be looking at plans, right? 
I would think so. Keep this guy around. It's such a it's such a non important position that I don't I don't think you know if it's Joe Burrow you figure out a way. Well, the problem is you can say it's not important, but then it gets to a point where you're like, hey, let's roll Chris Evans out there, or or Travion Williams, or Bijan Robinson, okay, or Josh Jacobs, or okay. Zeke Elliott. All right, good, good. It's like there was a rundown with all those names on it. So, oh wait, where I'm just those are the top of my head. where where are we going? So what what's what's going on with Bijan Robinson? Because we can get to the we'll carry this over to the five o'clock hour. We're going to get to Vegas Golden Knights, and if you're listening, you can always hear the show streaming on LVSportsNetwork.com if you lose out on us. Let's talk draft first. So the running back thing in the NFL where no one gets paid beyond their first six years, I mean, it starts with the college players where they don't want to draft them high, but then you think about it, let's do some reverse engineering. It's not even the right way to say it. Running backs can be worth using at least a second-round pick on because you get them for so cheap while they can still be in their prime the first four years. So is that a, is that a weird way to look at Bijan Robinson? Could he be a, a, you know, a, a, a pick in the 20 to 30 range because people think, hey, he goes right in, we freaking just destroy the guy in a good way, we're going to get production out of him for four years, and then we never really have to pay him. We can get five. You can, get, you can do a fifth-year option where you're – You can get six you some if you want. Yeah, you can double him. franchise tag him. Yeah. Um, well, you can fifth-year option and then franchise. Then fra- you can do seven. Ken, you can actually do beyond the fifth. You, you can do seven years on a running. These guys are screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, it does it, – it becomes, you know, difficult. But at least if you're tagged, you're making the average of the top five. The problem with getting tagged is that you have a good season financially, but it's one year. You don't have any financial certainty after that. And if you get hurt that year or beat up that year – uh, then you're in trouble. And if you're now in your sixth, seventh season, when you do get to your contract, people are like, yeah, you're done. You're old. You're too old. We're not going to give you a contract you're too old for this. 350, so, 400 touches a year. You're yeah, old. They're in a really, really – running backs are just in a really tough spot. But, yeah, I think if B. John Robinson is the kind of player that a lot, a lot of people think that he is, and I do, uh, then you then you do get him in the first round because you want to make him – you want to take him in the first round so you do get that extra time of certainty. That's a good point. The first round gives you the fifth year. Yeah. All right, is he good enough to be taken at 28? Is he going to go higher? Is that Could that be the Bengals' backup plan? It could be. I don't think he's there. I think he's gone. Because I, I do think the Titans are trading Henry, and I think he'll be – that's another – Cincinnati, trade for Derrick Henry if you want. Um, and then you can take him there. Or the Cowboys, I don't think they want Pollard to be the featured guy. I don't think they, they believe he can handle it. So do, you take, do they take him? Do the Eagles – I mean, how good does that offense look? You know, Sanders is gone. How good does that look with B. John Robinson there? I think there's a lot of options that could take him. Other running backs anywhere near him in the draft? No. I mean, I don't know if I'd, I'd take anybody in the third round. The uh, one mock I looked at, mock draft, the Bengals, and we're talking about Joe Mixon, you know, really being in the crosshairs on a couple of fronts, and he already had a terrible reputation coming into school. Bengals have the 28th, the 60th, and the 92nd pick. There's no one else they could get and just say, you know, enough of Joe Mixon, especially if they, they yeah, for, saying, he if forces you, their hand. If you want to wait till you know, later on as the draft, you know, as the draft moves forward, I, I, don't, I don't mind taking a guy. Like I said, that's where you're kind of, you know, it's going to be a cheap guy. It's going to be a guy that you can have for a while. Um, B. John Robinson is the only one I would even consider. Like you're talking about like a Zach Charbonnet, maybe. Gibbs at Alabama. He's fine. 
Like all, all these guys are fine, but I just I would not use valuable draft capital on running backs. Mm-hmm. Just like, like I wouldn't pay them. And then you could go the high dollar route. Do you give the Raiders or the Chargers a call on Eckler or Josh Jacobs? And can you do that when you haven't paid the quarterback his big deal yet? And obviously, that's why the Chargers are, aside from the whole running back narrative in the NFL, the Chargers, I'm sure, are like, yeah, we're not giving some massive bonus to Eckler and 13 mil a year. We got to pay the guy. It's his time now. Herbert and back to the Bengals. Burrow are going to get their mega deals. Yeah. It's, and it's why, I mean, look, when it's a lot of times when people talk about these decisions, like, oh, that guy deserves money. or y- Yes, they do. But it's a you can't, it's not unlimited. You can't just pass out deals and hand it off and sign everybody that you want. And so you do have to sacrifice. And a lot of the times, look, we think running backs are in a t- tough spot now. As quarterback deals go up, yeah. that's coming out of running backs. Like, you're not paying a quarterback and a running back. It's not going to happen. And so... Yeah, it's going to continue to get to get more and more like that. Uh, and teams are going to be more and more committed to quarterbacks, and you can't. But, yes, you make those calls, figure out, can we fit? You know, does Eckler work for us? Does Josh Jacobs work? And, again, with Jacobs, it's not necessarily – it's not even necessarily two first-round picks. Like, that's what, what the, you know, the formula calls for. And if you sign them away and they don't want you to, it's two first-round picks. But you could also call the Raiders and say – Hey, don't match this. We'll just give you a first if that's what you want. Yeah. But th- that can happen. It doesn't have to well, be we, two first we, round picks. We saw it happen last year with the wide receivers, a couple of them. Yeah. You know, and I think A.J. Brown did just fine. They loved him. We'll see what happens. What was it, Burks, who got drafted by Tennessee? Yeah. We'll see if that works out in the long run. You know, I was thinking, you mentioned Zeke. He should just wait. For these situations to unfold, someone is going to be in dire straits when it comes to a running back. It could be the Bengals. It could be the Raiders, and by dire straits, I mean the Raiders and or Chargers could get a nice offer and move on their guys, and then they need a running back. There's also probably teams right now that are like, we don't need Zeke, we'll draft somebody, and the, the guy that you want doesn't fall to you. Yep. Yep. I was thinking the Saints, but unlike the Bengals, well, the Saints have known about Alvin Kamara in the situation here that's pending. They've known about that for a while, so they went out. They got a good backup running back. And they actually, even with Kamara there, Jamal yep. Williams is a, a good two or one, yep. a 1B. One no question. So they don't, they're not going to need to trade for a guy like, or um, go out and try to sign a guy like Zeke. No, they, they don't have to. They've already, they've already got a guy. And, you know, again, that would be the direction I would take. I, wouldn't, I would be signing guys like that, like Jamal Williams, who's productive, also productive as a pass blocker. Scores touchdowns, runs the ball well, good locker room guy. That's who I pay. Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. You can listen to the archives at LVSportsNetwork.com. You can listen to the stream for all three hours at the same site. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Offices in Henderson, Las Vegas, and Reno. Make sure you dial 775 in the north, 766-1400.